The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. All right, we continue our leadership series today with the man who leads the Edmonton Eskimos on and off the field. He's been called a warrior and the toughest guy in the league, number 13. He is the CFL's reigning most outstanding player, quarterback Mike Riley, joining us in studio. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Now, first off, um, we do want to talk leadership. Mm-hmm. Got to ask you about the game on the weekend, though. Yep. That was... Yeah, it was a tough one, for sure. stinky? Yeah, not good. Um, you know... That's how sports goes. Um, you know, clearly it's not something that we're excited about, not proud of how we played, um, and definitely weren't happy with the result, but it was a result that was deserved. Um, speaking offensively, which of course is is my expertise and, and the side of the ball that I control, um, you know, that was pretty uncharacteristic of us, but, um, you know, a lot of opportunity to learn from that and uh, thankfully for us we still have a month of the season left mm-hmm. and and I'd rather be talking about it at the end of September than the end of October and and there's a lot of work to be done so that we're not talking about you know having this conversation a month from now uh, it's not going to be easy you know we got to be honest and realistic with ourselves that uh, there wasn't much good that happened in that game on our side of the ball um, you know and and but again that's how sports goes you know you you go out there you compete on the field you find out what you did wrong you try to fix it uh, you try to try to figure out what you did well and continue to do it well. Um, unfortunately, there was a lot more to, to fix than there was to say that we did well. Um, you know, but uh, we got to be realistic with it. it. It is crunch time. There's four games left in the regular season, and we need to play a lot better than we did over the weekend uh, if we want our season to extend past the regular season. Now, Mike, you've always been a quarterback, I would assume. I have, uh, outside of one play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, prior to uh, probably my third or fourth season when I was a kid, I was, I don't know, 10 years old or something like that. I told my dad I wanted to play running back, and he was like, all right, we're going to let you play running back. Uh, the first play, I got to carry the ball. I don't know, I, I assume I got probably 10 <laughs> yards or something like that. On the second play, our quarterback took the ball, broke his collarbone, and uh, he was out for the year, and I was back to quarterback. No way. I've been there ever since. So, so it's interesting. The reason I ask, you know, when we thought about doing this uh, series in the first place, leadership, you were actually the first guy that I thought of. And because obviously the quarterback is the leader on the field. Um, But that dates back then to your first, whether you joined at six years old or seven years Mm -hmm. old, the quarterback is always thought of as the leader. So is that a role that a quarterback just has to embrace? And what does that role entail? Yeah, I think it, I think it is. First of all, I think if you're if you're going to step into that position and you want to play quarterback, uh, you're going to learn at a very young age that you you have to be a leader. Um, you know, and it has to be all the time. It's not just when it's easy when you want it to be easy when you want to be a leader it has to be all the time um you know because that's that's the nature of the position that's the expectation that's put on you by by your teammates by your coaching staff by uh once you get older the media by the fan base by the community all of those different things and it it is because it's tested over time that the guys that fill that 
position the best are the guys that are leaders and they they come in all different you know shapes and sizes and forms um, some guys are, are loud and boisterous as leaders others are are more quiet but uh, lead by example but they're I think in order to be an effective quarterback you have to have leadership skills uh, and you develop those throughout your entire career and you're always working on them and always trying to improve and learn um, you know in my case is no different you know I've been playing football I'm 33 now I've been playing since I was like six years old um, been a pro football player pro quarterback for 10 years um, and I, I still learn new things every day how to improve on on my leadership qualities how would you describe yourself as a leader <laughs> how would you describe it and and then you, when you talk about you know it's easy to be uh, you know a, a leader when things are going well mm. when things aren't so well how do you keep it up at that point as well yeah it it, it is tough for sure you know in terms of how i would describe myself that that's a difficult question um simply because I don't I don't really like to talk about myself or reflect on the things that you know maybe are, are positive about uh, what I do but I will say that um, you know when you're leading when you're when you're in a position of leadership whether it's as, as a quarterback or or a different sport uh, you know or just out in the world in general um, talk is cheap as they say you know and and it's more about your actions and and what you do and the example that you set and that's not always fun you know i, I know that uh when i was in in high school um <laughs> you know i my parents were on me all the time about my grades about staying in line and taking care of business in the classroom otherwise i wasn't going to be able to be out on the field um so that always was instilled as an important trait for me when i was a kid um but you know you would see guys that weren't in sports they would be going out to parties on the weekends and doing stuff like that or they were into cars and they had the muscle cars and got to go you know have a good time and all that and you have to make a lot of sacrifices if you want to do athletics just as with anything else you want to be great at something you're going to have sacrifices in other areas uh, but as a kid growing up you know that that's hard to sacrifice all of those other things um, and be singularly focused on what you want to be great at and so I think that is is part of leadership is is leading to the rest of your teammates by the example not just in what you do but maybe by what you don't do also so uh, that can be a challenge to always be mindful of all of those different things um, you know but it's something that you have to enjoy you mm -hmm. have to embrace it um, you know and again I, I don't know if I'm there's times where I I show my emotions um, good or bad um, you know but I'm not you know we've had guys on our teams that have been great rah-rah guys you know Odell Willis who was with us up until this you know this yeah. season was probably the most well-known and very well liked not just with the community and the fans but also in the locker room for his ability to to get people excited get them riled up and, and he loved taking on that role I, I don't like that role I don't like to be in there yelling and screaming and trying to get everybody pumped up uh, I'd like to keep it calm and just make sure that everybody's focused and dialed in but it takes all different types of personalities to really make a team go for sure well that's an interesting observation Darius Bowman comes to mind right mm -hmm. away too um, so as a, a leader if you understand that some of your players need to do that to get the best out of their game mm -hmm. is that something you encourage you tolerate or I mean how do you given your personality and your focus on just getting the job done when you see some you know when we uh, I, listen I miss all the uh, somersaults after sacks <laughs> I really do I wish they would come back again but to you is that is that just tomfoolery? It should be stopped? Or do you say, no, that's part of what gets them up for the game? Well, there, there's a fine line. I don't think there's any right answer that you can, you know, 
paint with a broad brush because it just depends on the group of guys that you have and that that again is probably one of the more challenging things of of being a leader and we have many in our locker room we have many leaders um, but to be a good leader you have to be able to kind of take the temperature of the room and you have to get to know your guys individually because everybody responds to to something differently you know you may go and make a comment to one person and it, and it it's a positive uh, reinforcing thing and you may say the same thing to somebody else and it may come off as a negative to them and it has the exact opposite effect of what you want, what you were trying to accomplish. So, uh, the the biggest part about being a leader is is understanding the individuals and having a relationship with them, so that you know you can get your point across in whatever means that you need to, and you know what's going to be most effective for those people. So, um, you know the. Doing a somersault, crawling through a booster juice sign as Duke did earlier this year. Um, you know, doing all the the post touchdown antics and celebrations. Um, those are certainly not something that I individually ever do or would do. Um, you know, spike the ball a handful of times. My dad was probably upset about that. He always told me to take the ball to the ref and act like I'd been there before. Exactly um, it. You know, like you've been I've, there before. I've thrown a few balls in into the stands, um, but for the most part, you just get up, hand the ball to the ref, and and get back to work but that works for me um you know but in a football locker room you got 60 or more personalities that all grew up in different parts of different countries both canada the u.s and elsewhere um and have different stories and and they're they've had different lives and so that you know they respond to different things um than i would and you know doing a celebration, doing a somersault, doing whatever it is, um, if it's something that I know is going to increase their performance on the field, then it's something that I'm excited to see them do. But if it's out of character for somebody um, or you see that it's having a negative effect, then that's the time where you got to step in and say something for sure. Well, especially, I suppose, if it's costing the team, right? Well, no doubt. And we've had those conversations. Um, you know, we had Duke is, is one of my favorite teammates I've ever had. He's an awesome kid. Um, you know, and he loves football and, and he goes out there and gives everything that he has every single day. Um, you know, but there was a couple instances earlier in the season where we were getting penalty flags um, and it wasn't malicious on his part. It was actually hilarious. You know, there was one time he took a towel out of his hand warmer and acted mm-hmm. like he was eating. And then, of course, the booster juice sign and things like that. Um, and it was it was challenging because we had we had talked, you know, after the first one, he wasn't aware that what he you know, was doing was going to be a penalty. So then we talked to him, okay, you can't, you can't use the ball as a prop. So then he's like, okay, then he crawls through the booster. <laughs> sign and it's like, well, I didn't use the ball as a prop. So again, it's one of those things where it was having a negative effect on our team, but it wasn't done maliciously. See, it's hard to get mad at somebody like that. So you just try to, you try to inform them the best that you can. And, 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 you know, when we would talk to him, he was, he was upset that it had hurt our team because he didn't think it was going to. And then of course they changed the rules around mm-hmm. the league. Yeah. And now, now everybody's getting to do everything so i guess the, the rest of the league should probably thank duke for that but um you know yeah you 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 want guys to do things that are going to make them perform at their best but again not at the expense of the team for sure mike riley joining us in studio this afternoon as we continue our leadership series of course your quarterback the edmonton eskimos will take a quick break here when we come back more questions on leadership for number 13 Mike Riley joining us in studio as part of our leadership series, your um, Edmonton Eskimos quarterback. Question for you. Mm. Um, You have not only been a part of the Edmonton Eskimos, importantly, for uh, a number of years now. You had um, you'd been signed to the Steelers, the Packers, the Rams, the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Now I can only guess as a, as as a kid, um, way back when, uh, playing football at six, seven, ten, fifteen years of age. Maybe the NFL was your dream, mm-hmm. and then you get signed. Uh, it doesn't work out. You get signed, doesn't get worked out. How do you handle that? And and my other question is: Is that still a dream for you? Yeah, that's a tough question in terms of how do you handle it. Yeah. Uh, first off, because yeah, that's as a kid growing up in the United States that loves mm-hmm. football. Um, the NFL is what you grow and up LBL. watching, and that's uh, you know that's where you want to end up. That's what your dream and your goal is. That's what your heroes played and everything like that. So um, that was amazing to realize that dream when I finally got signed to a team, um, got to play in a pre you know three preseason games with the Steelers. I'm um, out there on the field uh, practicing with guys like Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. and Heinz Ward and, and Troy Polamalu and guys like that, um, getting signed to Green Bay and, and being in the meeting rooms with Aaron Rodgers, um, who I can't say enough good things about him. Um, you know, but then to get cut several times, um, you know, the only team that really didn't cut me was Green Bay because I was on their practice roster and I left to go to St. Louis. So every other team I got released from uh, eventually. And that's that's a challenge for a number of reasons because first, uh, you know, your goal it seems to be getting pulled further and further away from you, but also as an adult, that's what you're trying to do for a living. That's how you're trying to make money and provide for your family. So it's that much more stressful, um, you know, but thankfully for me, I was given an amazing opportunity to come up to the CFL and, and that wasn't easy either. Mm-hmm. I started off as a practice roster guy, as a four string quarterback in BC, um, you know, and wondering, man, when is this actually, you know, when is this going to become financially paying off? <laughs> when am I actually going to make a living doing this? Right. Um, you know, but I didn't know much about the CFL mm-hmm. really at all before I came up here. Um, and I think if I would have known when I was a kid what I know now, uh, that would have been probably my goal to either be in the NFL or the CFL. And I would have been equally, equally, huh. equally excited about both because it is an amazing league. Uh, it's an amazing country. I love Canada. My family loves coming up here and being a part of it. Both my kids have been born in Edmonton, um, you know, and we've really tried to embrace um, Canada. And I, I think that they've embraced us as well. And, and so it's been been uh, an incredible journey, uh, but I wouldn't change any of it uh, for the world. You know, there's decisions that I made, such as leaving Green Bay's practice roster, which had I stuck around there, who knows, things may have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever second guess that stuff because where I'm at in my life, um, life in general, family life, uh, friends and football, um, it's exactly where I want to be. And I don't really have any desire to attempt to go back to the NFL. Um, you know, of course, there's opportunities there, but when you know when you're 33 and you got a family to provide mm-hmm. for, there's things that are more important in your life um, than than realizing that that goal when you were a child. It's it's uh, it's having new goals, you know. And and I've replaced that goal and that dream with so many other things that uh, have become more important in my life and more rewarding too. So mm-hmm. uh, and the CFL has been a huge part of that, of course. So um, you know, it's again, it's been an amazing journey. And I look back at all the things that were maybe disappointing in the past that seem like obstacles or dead ends at the time and and they prepared me to go on the path that I'm on now and and had I not gone through that I probably wouldn't appreciate it as much as I do Hmm. Uh, I'm curious uh, on leadership again and and, you know it's a football team so it's much different than any other organization there's similarities but there's differences one of the differences is there's a head coach Mm -hmm. so how do you balance what your role is as a leader as opposed to his role as a leader yeah I I think that's something that um, you know I just was reading about it earlier this morning um, about 
Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, how they've, you know, they've been together, Tom and, and Belichick have been together for like 19 years and, and Aaron and McCarthy, I think for 13 or something like that. And they were talking about how that relationship seems to be strained and it's not going to end well for their teams and things like that. So it's interesting. Um, but what they said in there is that the, the relationship between a quarterback and the head coach is potentially the most important relationship that you can have on a football team. And I would tend to agree with that because of the importance that your quarterback has to have in reading the room and doing all these different things, um, but also conveying what the head coach is wanting to get done. You know, And, and everybody has a role on the team, and of course the head coach is the ultimate decision maker. Um, you know, but the head coach has to have confidence in his players to be able to distribute out um, you know, that leadership and, and those responsibilities because you can't micromanage everything. You know, as a head coach, as a GM, um, and even as a quarterback, there, you know, that, that continues to, to trickle down where there's teammates of mine that, that I have great relationships with, and when there's something that needs to be done that I don't, I don't have the time for, I'm not in the right place to do it, uh, those guys understand it and they take care of it. You know, I don't have to worry about all the little details because those other guys also are take care of, taking care of those things. So the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback is extremely important. Um, you spend the most time with them. You know, I spend more time with Jason than anybody else, also because he's an offensive coordinator. But even head coaches that I've had in the past with Chris Jones, uh, with Wally Buono, guys like that, and, and when I was in college, I've always had really good relationships with the head coach because that's your job is to figure out what direction that that, that man who's in charge of the entire program, uh, what direction they want to take the team, what their vision is is for the team and your job is to go out and make sure that the the ship is being steered in that direction and what if you absolutely don't agree well that that becomes a challenge for sure um and those instances have been extremely (laughs) rare in my case but i do know that that those things happen um and so at that time you, you really have to evaluate okay you know why do i disagree with what's going on here why what is it about the direction that this is going that i'm unhappy with and you have to talk to them about it you know you it's not that you're gonna you're not going to air it uh, in the media, and you're certainly not going to air it in the in in the locker room uh, with the players. You need to go and speak to that individual and and figure out what it is that they see and why they think that's important. And then you know, you may you may see things differently afterwards. As, as the leader on the field, there has to be third and whatevers where you're like, man, just. Let me get that first down. Well, I mean, there's always going to be throughout any game. It, it could be a game where you're you're playing extremely well and and you're leading on the scoreboard by a lot. And uh, there might be times where you're trailing uh, and you're playing really poorly. Um, and there's decisions that that come in in terms of play calling where you're like, man, okay, um, not sure if that would have been my go-to, but we're going to go out there and execute it. Um, there's also been way more times where a play call maybe came in and I was like, whew, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this, and it ends up being a huge play for our team, you know, and, and that makes you step back and realize, like, oh, I'm, I'm sure glad yeah, that he's the one that's pulling the trigger a lot on of that, tape, you know? probably, so, yeah. and, and that's the other thing, too, is you, you, you have more confidence in it when you're around those people a lot and you see the work that they put in. Um, you know, those decisions are not made off the cuff. There, there's a lot of thought and effort that goes into it, for sure. Mike, we are so out of time, and I know you need to get going, but just quickly before um, before we let you go here, um, who was your mentor, and um, what was the most valuable lesson that they um, taught you? Yeah, I've had a lot. Uh, my dad, for sure. You know, growing up, he coached me. Um, you know, and I think the the most valuable thing that he ever taught me was he would never let me give up on anything. Um, and it wasn't just, uh, you know, 
oh, you can't quit the season started and you can't quit. It, it wasn't, it never got to that point. It was little things when we were going through a challenging stretch, a tough game or something like that. I'm getting hit a bunch in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all I wanted to do was catch a snap and take off and run and get out of there. And he wouldn't let me. He made me stand there in the pocket. And he said, no, you know, you're not going to take the easy way out. You're not just going to run for your life. You're playing against, you know, 10 year old kids. You're a 10 year old kid. You can get out of the pocket and make something happen. But that's not how football is played. Mm-hmm. And if you want to play at a high level, that's, you know, so he taught me to do it the right way not the easy way but to do it the right way and sometimes uh it sucks to do that but uh, it eventually it pays off mike riley joining us in studio this afternoon thank you for your time best of luck yeah, the rest of the thank season. you for having me the 6 30 chad afternoon news with Jalen nye and andrew gross weekdays at two on 6 30 chad